so here's the thing. You do not have to be good looking to have a podcast. You can be dead and have a podcast, as I have proven over and over. My first podcast, my mic was dead. My second podcast, my earphones were dead. The last podcast, the thunder and lightning killed, killed my guest, Amy Dickinson, who has 20 million readers, for God's sake. Lightning killed her dead during the podcast. Uh, And so as I don't have to be good looking, as I don't have to be comely, as I don't have to be fetching, I'm going to tell you a little story about meeting a group of humans in San Francisco, or actually not San Francisco, Berkeley, Oakland, and they call themselves the Good Looking People Network. And it starts like many juicy stories stories start when a pretty woman walks in a bar. Call her on the phone. Call her on the phone. When you're all alone, darling, ask Eugene. Ask Eugene. Ask Eugene. Good old Auntie E will fix your shit. So I approach this pretty woman and I say, What are you doing? What are you doing here? And she says, I'm here because I'm good looking. And I say, well, were you always good looking? And she says, no. I say, well, when did you get good looking? And she says, I got it uh, this year. And I say, well, how did you get it? And she says, I took the ecstasy process. Now I have no idea what that is. If you know, please call in. Does anybody here know what the ecstasy process is? Anyway, her name is Sunny, and she's a big bosom, big bottom girl, and she takes a seat at this bar in Berkeley, at, at the bar restaurant, uh, where the meeting of the good-looking people is about to start. And the good-looking people is an organization for persons who have problems because they are too good-looking, too, too good-looking. So Sonny is sitting there. And this fellow comes along and he puts his arm around her. He says, well, of course, Sonny was as good looking last year. as She was this year. She just didn't know she was good looking. And Sonny turns to him and Sonny says, and you are very handsome. And the fellow looks at me and I say, how do you do? How do you do? I'm Eugene. How are you doing? How are you doing? I'm doing a story about the good lookers. And he says, his name is Jarvis. And he peers at me and he says, And you, Jean, are a beautiful woman. And he grips, grips my upper arm. And he says in a deep voice, where would you rate yourself, Jean? And I smile. And he says, now, 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 come on. And I demure and I smile again. He says, come on, come on. I bet you rate yourself at a three. (laughs) that's when I stopped smiling and I can see that dropping in to do a story on the good lookers is going to be 
it's going to be? Well, you know, I don't know what it's going to be. Jarvis, uh, he didn't get an answer from me where I'd rate myself. Um, So he moves on to the next topic. He reads the room. Let me tell you, Jarvis is very quick at reading the room. He, He goes to the next topic. He says he's wearing his eye extension color. So everything is copacetic. And so... I, this throws me because I think the eye extension color. Hang on, I have to say goodbye to Avery. Hey, Avery. Avery, hey, you don't have to hang around and look at me while we're doing this. Shall we say goodbye? Avery, we're going to say goodbye. Say, everybody say goodbye to Avery. Avery is, uh, she's running call in there. Say goodbye to the woman who's running call in. There we go. Okay. So um, it throws me when, he, when uh, uh, Jarvis says, uh, his eye extension color, because I thought eye extension color was a color that you wore to match your eyes. But Jarvis says no. He says, when you wear your eye extension color, you are saying, I'm safe. I'm not threatening. I'm easy <laughs> to bear your soul to. Well, he didn't get his, get my rating out of me, so I don't know how easy uh, his uh, eye extension color is working for him. But he said, so uh, I looked to see what he's wearing at his shirt because actually I'd been staring at his head. I had really hadn't noticed what he was wearing uh, because his shirt, by the way, was blood red. Um, and he, so I mentioned this and he said, well, of course he wears red to good looking people because he wants to be seductive. Uh, and then he says, I had my whole color thing done. See, and then he explains that you're put into four colors. You're put into winter, which is striking or spring, which is animated, or summer, which is soft, and fall, which is rich. He stands back and lets me drink him in. He says, I'm 80% rich and 20% striking. I look over at Sonny. Sonny has a lot of striking, says Jarvis. I'm only 15% striking, says Sonny. Jarvis is stunned. I'm flabbergasted because I thought this shit was done with the with the colors and the falls. I thought this shit was over in the 70s, but oh no. Um, what's the rest of you, I say to Sonny? I'm 65% animated, says Sonny, 20% rich. You don't have any soft, says Jarvis. I don't have any soft, says Sonny. I could be soft. But the woman who did my colors may not have picked it up. So Jarvis is grieved to hear this. Now, here's what Jarvis. Jarvis is a square built. Square with a head. He's square built. It's not that he's just square. Um, Solid, I guess, solid. And he has a head the size of a pumpkin. It's a large head. He should be on TV. Have you ever noticed that TV anchors all have large heads? Jarvis was really... Uh, sort of made to be on TV. So he has this huge, huge head, the size of a large pumpkin. And he said, uh, he said to, to Sonny, uh, I would describe you, Sonny, as a very strikingly beautiful woman. And then he turns to me because I'm, I'm running a tape recorder. Jarvis is very attracted uh, to the tape recorder and being uh, put on the record, what, uh, having a record made of what he's saying. He says, now he's going to explain things. And now let me take a sip of water. Because Jarvis is going to explain a little bit about the good looking people. He says, see, Sonny and I are very conscious of the fact 
that how we look and what we wear is as strong as what we say. Uh, you know who would you know who would agree with Jarvis? Um, the man who um, had got Donald Trump elected, the man who um, divided America, the man who started Fox News. Um, that man, uh, he sounded just like him. Uh, that's my God! I just completely uh, spaced his name. Who started Fox News? Somebody call in. And tell me who who. Uh, um, Somebody call in right now. Uh, Roger Ailes, for God's sakes, my old boss. This is exactly what Roger Ailes thought. Roger said uh, when he hired anchors for Fox News, he did not listen to their tapes. He watched with the sound off. He watched with the sound off. If they were interesting looking, Roger wanted to hear what they had to say. Um, uh, That's why he hired uh, Sean Hannity, because he was interesting to watch. That's why he hired uh, the, you know, Megyn Kelly and uh, and uh, the whole crew that they have there. Anyway, so Jarvis is standing to me, given uh, telling me the same line. See, Sonny and I are very conscious of the fact that how we look is uh, and what we wear is as strong as what we say. And Jarvis's uh, opinion is that people know this but that we don't bother doing anything about it. So he says he's using the tools given to her, uh, given to him in the, by the universe to take maximum advantage of his life. Jarvis is the person who's not going to go through life playing. He's going to go through life making himself be uh, as handsome as he possibly can. So then he says, for instance, my name. Uh, I changed my name from Jervis to Jarvis two years ago. Because Jervis started too abruptly. It was too quick. It sounded too quick. It was too businesslike. It didn't resonate with my new look. That's what he says. Then he opens up his wallet and he takes out a card and he says, This is my masseur's card with the aloe vera plant on it. And he lays it on the bar in front of Sonny and I. Then he opens up his wallet again and he says, This is my straight card with my master's in psychology. And he lays that on the bar and opens his wallet again. And he says, this is my jack of all trades plumber's card. (laughs) And he puts uh, that beside the others. And then he spreads them out. And he says, so, depending on whom I'm talking to, I wear the right colors and give them the right cards. (laughs) So this is, this gives you a, sort of an insight into what kind of person would come to a meeting of the people who have problems because they are too good looking. Before we go on, here's a comment from Cal. Cal says, am I too good looking? No, fortunately, I'm exactly good looking enough. Thank you, Cal. Now back to the good lookers. I can see we're going to have a lot of comments at the end of the show. I'm going to read a lot of comments. Um, let me, and they're coming in as I'm uh, reading and looking at these comments here. So the good lookers, here's what they do. They meet once a month in Berkeley uh, at a bar and restaurant. They pay eight bucks admission, uh, drinks and dinners extra. It's probably around 60, 70 bucks uh, for the meeting. And then uh, t- the meeting I was at, uh, the topic was what it is like growing up good looking, the pros and cons. 
And I think, uh, hi, uh, hi, Kath. Kath, Kath just left a message to say, uh, hi, Angie. Um, I sort of like this topic. I think it's a pretty good topic. And I say this to Cassie, this woman who comes in, and I say, oh, that's a good topic. Uh, and Cassie says, yeah, I wish I would have known I was going to grow up good looking. It would have made my life so much more pleasant. Now, Cassie uh, owns, Cassie is, uh, well, she's at the height of her career. She's still very young and she owns her own manufacturing company. And Cassie explains to me almost within five minutes of meeting her that her body is divided into two zones. She says there's from the neck up and there's from the neck down. From the neck up, she says it's always been great. Then she says as a teenager, she thought if only she could get boys to look at her just from the neck up, she'd be okay. But from the neck down, here's a quote. She says, from the neck down, I was a roast. <sighs> All the time, I'm wondering why this very accomplished career woman is here. And so I take a guess and I say, are business people not taking you seriously because you're so good looking? And she says, no, I'm rich. They take me seriously. And I say, well, uh, are you not taking yourself seriously because of your looks? Um, are you? Do you take yourself too seriously? And Cassie says, no, I don't worry. I say, uh, well, why? And she says, what I worry about is men. Then she says, tall men. And that's when the coin drops. So you're here, I say, to meet tall men. And Cassie says, I've always been attracted to tall men. As my neck goes back to kissing, the more attracted I am. And then she sits up real straight and arches her spine and rolls her flanks. And she says, to the point where I think there's a direct connection between the back of my neck and my genitals. <laughs> we've got, um, we've got I know several women who have that same thing. And we've got comments here. I don't know whether to start reading the comments now in the middle of the story or leave Cassie's genitals and like read all the comments or leave Cassie's genitals there. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll go on with the story and then we'll do the comments. So uh, later that week, I have a lunch date with Jarvis. And he picks me up and you're all dying to know what he's wearing. He's wearing the outfit he bought when he was taken to a department store for the Inside Out Seminar. That's not quite the same as In-N-Out Burger, but close. And he had himself done over according to his color palette. And we are driving to a restaurant to have a bite. And Jarvis is telling me how he started going to the Good Lookers. And now it starts to become clear to me what's going on. i just gotten out of a committed relationship, he says. And you know what they say about a relationship accelerating your growth, growth process, boy. And he takes his hands off the wheel in order to smack himself in the head. And I have to grab the wheel. And he says, boy, did I have my growth experience accelerated with her? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And meanwhile, I'm steering as we go down the road. And I say, uh, well, what? tell me about her. Tell me about her, Jarvis. And uh, he takes the wheel back and he says, well, she was primarily a visionary artist. 
She's been talking to the little plant and flower fairies for years. I was the first man she met she could discuss these conversations with. She will also, he said, do your portrait of your guardian angel. Well, I like this woman. I said, what's her name? And he said, Joy. So this, you know, people in California are very different than the people on the East Coast. I have, have you ever met a person who does uh, does portraits of your guardian angel? I mean, I would, uh, anyway, I liked her. I liked him. He's doing absolutely everything he can do to make himself as good as he can possibly be. And then we meet, uh, we go to the restaurant and Sonny arrives. Uh, And, oh, wait, before Sonny walks in, Jarvis shows me a picture of himself before he started blow drying his hair. Then he hands me his resume. He says, I never use it to get a job. I only give it to my friend. Then Sonny arrives And she makes quite an entrance in her animated sweater, her cheerleading tights, her pink lake warmers, her drop earrings, her silver gray, a big necklace with sunny written on it. Um, She is a real head turner. And she sits down and Jarvis shows her the picture of what he looked like before he started blow drying his hair. Uh, And then we order. And Jarvis has the barbecue spare ribs. And... um, Sunny is only going to have tap water because she has to get her glucose. What is it? What is it called? Glu- cl- uh, glucose tolerance, glucose intolerance. What is it called? Um, yes, I see that, Jenna. I know you grew up in California, so you, you understand these people. So, Jen, uh, Sunny has got a glucose intolerance or tolerance test tomorrow. So, she's not ordering anything. Uh, Jarvis is ordering the spare ribs. Uh, uh, and Sunny says she's not getting anything because she's got a ping in her temples when she eats honey. And she says, so I decided I love my body enough to find out what it needs to make me absolutely perfect. And then we talk about sourcing our realities. I mean, I try to hold up with that conversation. And then Jarvis eats his salad. Then he settles his <laughs> his elbows on the table when his ribs arrived, you're not going to eat that fucking dead animal! Sonny screams, covering her eyes. Jarvis pauses, a little uncertainty. He says, but I need my B-complex. And he picks up his fork. Well, the smell makes me sick, cries Sonny. She turns around the booth, puts her feet out in the aisle. And then Jarvis says, completely with, with modesty, not bragging. He says, I have been getting a lot of blood lately. And then he looks to me and he says, I am a member of the Half Gallon Club. <laughs> and Sonny says, P.U. So she makes a clothespin with her fingers and clamps it to her nose. And, you know, she's 23. Um, she works in a health food store. Uh She's, you know, very serious about everything. And she tells me that um, she turns to show me the profile of her nose, of her nose. And she says, I'm ready to have exactly what I want. And I deserve the best. And I know it will be absolutely perfect. She's talking about getting her nose done. So 
she's saving to have it fixed. She had gotten her nose fixed first when she was 16, and that was a good nose. But now, as she says, I know exactly what I want. And she, she says, I deserve the best, and I know it will be absolutely perfect. Uh, remember back at the big meeting? Let's go back there because I met a woman. Um, she was, listen, we're in California. We're in Berkeley. It's warm. She walks in in a mink coat and she comes up to me and she says, what a topic. Remember, the topic is growing up good looking, pros and cons. She says, growing up good looking. She laughs. I had a mother. And then she gets very confident. She says, I had a mother who took credit for everything. Now, the woman in the meat coat I'm talking to, his name is Babette. She's very, uh, she's very attractive, uh, short, built like a fire plug. And she says, my mother loved me to distraction. She loved the way I ate. She loved the way I opened my mouth. She loved the little mouth. She would look at the little mouth and go, yum, 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 yum. She was crazy about feeding me. She would say, Babette eats so nice. Look how cute Babette is when she eats. Let me eat anything I want. Just that I was eating, I was beautiful. Eating, 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 eating. I never had to, never had to speak. All I had to do was eat. Then she pauses and looks at my tape recorder. I said to her, Babette, you never said, shut the fuck up, Ma. She said, no, 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 no. I never talk back. Uh, Babette had a really round, almost spherical face with a very small white nose. She said, Babette said, no, I never talked back. I just threw up. I was bulimic for 20 years. Um, so... It's funny when you get to be people, it's, I, every, I came into this meeting thinking, what kind of person would come to a meeting of people who have problems because they are too good looking? And the problems turned out to be problems that I would never even have, uh, I would, I would never have any inkling of what caused them to come to this meeting. And there, right there is a good cause of mother, you know, and the bulimia. Um, and so, uh, remember Cassie, uh, remember the girl who described herself from the neck down as a roast, remember? And she actually, now I'll tell you what she actually looked like. She's magnificent. She has a stupendous shape. She has the eternal shape for all womankind. Um, I really like Cassie. We went out for drinks. She had just broken up with her boyfriend and she says, See, do you see what's developing here? Do you get the drift of the people who are showing up? She's just broken up with her boyfriend. Um, and she says she's going to spend the rest of her life lying on her bed, hyperventilating. Uh, but first, she wants us to go to the Oakland Museum where there might be some men. She didn't see any men at the at the meeting, by the way. She saw there were men there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cassie didn't... Uh, Cassie didn't, um, she didn't light a fire with anybody uh, or nobody lit a fire with her. I'm not quite sure. So first she wanted to go to the Oakland Museum uh, where she might meet some men. Then she wanted to go eat or oysters where she might meet some men. 
And then at one o'clock in the morning, we're driving around Sausalito and she's showing me the sights. And so I say, why'd you break up, Cassie? And she says, uh, um, actually, really wanted, what I really wanted to ask her was, why is everybody I met at the Good Lookers broken up with somebody? Uh, I didn't say that because it was so screamingly clear. Um, and she said, um, well, uh, we're breaking up because he's told me we weren't coupling in some fundamental fashion. And I asked what that meant. She said she didn't know. And she opens up her blazer. She says she once had a man reject her because her butt was too big. And she start, she reaches in and starts scratching her shoulder blade. And she says it turns out he, of course, had a heavy wad of Catholic guilt and had problems behind having sex at all. And it had nothing to do with the size of my rear. And then she changes hand, scratches her back of her neck with her, uh, uh, under her collar. And she says, my point is a man's opinion of our look should be no more valid than our own opinion of our own looks. And well, I agree with that. And she's, um, she has a dark aqua shirt under the blazer. And I ask why she keeps scratching. And she says, well, the other day she was rolling around a little poison oak. And, uh, and I say, enjoying the natural order of things, Cassie. She said, right. When I give a man my heart, I want him to take the rest of my body. And that's, Cassie's got her head on straight. Um, we now know why she was at the Good Lookers. Remember Jarvis? Remember the ribs in the restaurant? Uh, here's, now we're going to find out Sunny's story. Sunny is saying um, the thing she loves about her face is her teeth and that God gave her, actually, she gave herself the most beautiful teeth and that there are no accidents in this kind of thing and that she decided when she was born to have, hello, Guff, she decided when she was born to have beautiful teeth. She said, I'm totally responsible for myself. Have you guys met anybody like this? Um, she says, I'm totally responsible for myself. Uh, now, I don't see why when she was being born and given herself the teeth, she didn't throw in the nose, but I don't understand this whole philosophy of being too good looking. And anyway, uh, when Jarvis orders more coffee, uh, Sunny says she has something to show us. And Here's Sunny showing a story. She takes out a book. She says, this is my star book. And she puts it on the table. You guys are going to, this is going to strike a chord with you because we all have done this. She says, this is the book I'm going to utilize in creating myself to be a star. Everything in here is what I'm going to, do in order to get my stardom the steps i'm taking for instance i'm going to be creating five thousand dollars from someone who is going to invest in my future no strings attached someday i will reimburse them when i have the money that's what she says 
and she opens the book and she says, the first of all, I went out and bought the most beautiful and most expensive book I could find because I deserve it. It has a white plastic satin cover uh, with green flowers and a frontispiece that has a fuchsia star with diamonds. It's quite, quite dazzling. And Sunny says, this is my goal page. She turns it around for us to see and then turns it back and reads aloud. Now, you've all read The Great Gatsby by Fitzgerald. And you know the part where Nick uh, Gatsby, you know, they go to his house after Gatsby dies and they find his papers and Nick Carraway finds Gatsby's list that he made when he was uh, Sonny's age. And Gatsby's list says, uh, rise from bed, dumbbell practice, study electricity, practice elocution poise and how to attain it, study needed inventions. Actually, uh, Fitzgerald had personally had made lists like this. And we all make lists like this, right? When we're very young, we make lists, you know, uh, George Washington made lists like this, brush your teeth. And um, so Cassie has this list and this is what she says. Uh, to be 125 pounds, to run five miles a day, to stretch daily, to create $10,000 for my process, to create a perfect last name, which is my star name. Uh, does anybody want to come on and, and just phone in live right now and tell me what was on your list? Uh, like, uh, Kath, do you want to tell me what was on your list when you were, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, Kath says, got to go, dinner's ready. Okay, so uh, we all have this list. So I say, what kind of star do you want to be? And Sonny says, a famous star. And I say, well, a singer, an actress, a comedian, what? And Sonny rolls her hand across the sheet of the paper and she says, I'm looking to recreate the movie industry with my abilities. Then she turns the page. Jarvis, by the way, is paying the strictest attention. Sonny says, these are the things I have done in the process of creating my dream. And she looks up at me because I think it suddenly occurs to her that I may think this is funny. Well, you know me. I do not think this is funny. I am completely enthralled because I understand she is revealing her young woman's dream. That is not funny. That is serious business to me. So go on, go on, go on, I say. She drops her head and pulls the bottom edge of the book against her chest. And, you know, I have seen something attractive about all the lookers. I'm meeting every single one was attractive and, but it's sunny, big framed, all heavy cream and roses, dark haired, daffy, absolutely daffy with real belief in herself. She's the true peach. She was the genuine beauty, the real, the real looker of the good lookers. And she says, here are the things Oh boy. Here are the things in the process of creating my dream. She pauses and lifts. Uh, this is a nervous tick of her. She lifts the top of her sweater away from her neck and throws back her head. 
And she did that constantly. Uh, and she says, such as, I've done things that are totally out of context with whatever I thought I would be willing to do. Such as what, says Jarvis? Such as, says Sonny, calling people I hardly know and asking them for $5,000. Okay, you were waiting for this. And you're all thinking it and you haven't said anything, but I know you're thinking it. We're back at the Good Lookers meeting. And one of the uh, Good Lookers is a therapist. So I got to hear what he has to say about the Good Lookers. And uh, so I go over and chat him up. And we're looking at the Good Lookers as they file into the room for the meeting. And he says, what we're looking at here this is a therapist speaking, is a bunch of people with high self-esteem. Amazed. I'm amazed that a person trained in human psychology has missed the fact that the exact opposite is true for most of these lookers. And weirdly, he has the prevailing attitude. There was a young guy there who said to me, this looks like a group of higher class society type people. I want to associate with them. And then his friend, of course, said, hey, you're just here to pick up girls. Shut the fuck up. But OK, so that underlying uh, it for me, an outsider, I'm an outsider. I'm an East, you know, I was born in the Midwest, the heart of the heart of the country and the sticks and a schoolhouse. Uh, it's not too hard for me to to see uh, bullshit when bullshit is presented. But out in the West Coast, at this meeting of the good lookers, um, they they appear to a therapist to have high self-esteem. I just blow, it just blows me away. And perhaps the therapist is right, by the way. Perhaps just going to the meeting meant they had high self-esteem. And Jarvis, of course, is working on his self-esteem and doing everything he possibly can to make his, as make himself as perfect as he possibly can. I don't, I don't know. I have no idea what. Oh, uh, take next caller. Here I go. I'm going to go like this. Yes. Hey, hey, Kath. Kath, un, yeah. Kath, unmute yourself. Hey, Kath, unmute yourself. Hey, Kath. Hey. Kath, how are what you? Are you? I'm, I'm, are you cooking pie for dinner? Cause you know, I know you make great pie. No, actually I got Bob to take over for dinner. Oh, good. And he's finishing up dinner and I says, oh, I better call in and help out auntie. Good. Thank you, Kath. I, I want, did you have a list when you were growing up of things that you wanted to accomplish or did you have that kind of, I know you were a beauty queen. Did you have a list? Um, Yes. And I, I believe that in a roundabout way, I checked off a lot of my, a lot of things on my list, but I wasn't really worried too much about how I looked and how I was perceived by anybody because I figured if they can't accept me for who I am, who the hell needs them? Well, Kath, as I know, and many of us know, you were born with, you're born six feet one and fabulous looking. I mean, you were an athlete. You grew up as an athlete. 
I don't think you were even thought about makeup or anything because you were playing ball, basketball, yeah. you know, and volleyball and having a date with Johnny Depp. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, two, two, two souls in a movie. Um, it's, um, it's, do you think these, uh, the people at the good looking meet, meeting, um, do you think they have, what do you, why do you think they're there? I think they're lonely and looking for validation. Yes, that's it. Exactly. Exactly. It's the whole thing about the pro- their problems. Yes, they have problems, but it's they want a partner, right? Exactly. Oh, Kath, you're like a breath of fresh air, Kath. Did Bob you say is dinner, is dinner on the table? No, not yet. It's got okay. a few more minutes. Okay, great. Hang on while I tell you about it. <laughs> Uh, Kath, I want you to hear this. Okay. Uh, because I think we've had this conversation. Uh, I met a woman named Constance for breakfast after we went to the meeting. And Constance says she hits the mirror at quarter to eight, puts the contacts in, the moisturizers, base coats, draws eyebrows, eye sockets, cheekbones, jawline, lips, and is finished at half past five. And then she told me I could wash my face for you right now and disappears. Okay. So she Constance was an artist with makeup. Uh and you don't really care about makeup that much, do you? Um not anymore. When I was younger I did. Well, I when I saw you had makeup, I I we you know, it's fun to put on makeup and it's fun to uh and we actually, you know, I noticed that Jenna said something about our av- uh, avatars. And I noticed when Jenna has her really wonderful uh, Ukrainian, you know, Jenna is raising money uh, around the United States to send to the Ukraine uh, to the people in Ukraine who are without food, even their dogs are without food and they have without homes and they're living in subways. Jenna's raising money by music contests. And I noticed when Jenna has her avatars, Kath, and I'm sure you've noticed, her avatars are gorgeous. She never yep, they are. She does she does Jenna choose a plain a plain looking avatar? No. No. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Does Jenna choose an avatar without makeup? No. <laughs> See I'm just saying I'm just saying it, it, it they're um I understand why Constance is putting on makeup every morning. I understand it, right? Oh, yeah. If you have something to do or somewhere to go. Right. right. Yeah. So here's what she I said. So she told me what she does for makeup. She looked great. This woman looked great. So I knew she was. So I said, uh, look at me, uh, Constance. What would you do if you were me? And she says to me, you're too monochromatic. And I said, okay. And she said, you need color. And I said, okay. She said, you need blusher. I said, yes. She said, Halloween in the cheek area. I said, good. She said, redder lipstick. I said, right. She said, total change in hairstyle. I said, okay. And then she leans in and she says, but listen. I say, what? She says, let's not be finicky. (laughs) (laughs) No. So, you know, it's, I get it. It's fun to go have a makeover. It's, um, uh, we get, we get a little crazy over makeup because it's so important in our lives. 
and um, 40% of the human brain is, to, is devoted to, to sight, 40%. Uh, hi, Margaret. Margaret just invited us. Um, Kath, I'm going to let you go. As we, okay. re- I'm going to start reading comments. I'm so glad you called in, Kath. Give a kiss All to right, Bob I'll for me. All right, I'll do it again. I can't wait to see you again and see oh. you soon. Okay, it's a deal. Adios. I'm going to start reading everybody's comments now because we have got some uh, great. We have a comment from Ada. Is it Aid or Ada or A D E? How do you spell A D E? I think she pronounces it aid, but it may be AD or it may be Ada. It may be a D. Um, Anyway, she says, I spent my youth pissed off that men always looked at me. Now I'm invisible because I'm 67 and it pisses me off. They don't look at me. But I'm telling you, honey, Men start looking at you again when you're 77. So just hang in there. And here's Margaret. Margaret says, great comment from Margaret. And Margaret just joined us. Hi, Margaret. I'm just going to read your, uh, uh, and Miss Ellie, we're going to get to your comment. I got you. Hi, Miss Ellie. Um, so Margaret, here's what Margaret says. Sometimes pretty people become pretty ugly once you look past the surface sheen. Though I have known many people who are who were beautiful inside and out and many people who became unfathomably beautiful to me because of who they were, not how they looked. We're all consciousness residing in meat suits, Eugene. That is heavy. We're all consciousness residing in meat suits. Being pretty isn't a talent or a skill. And what the collective we decides is beautiful is constantly changing boy is that true jessica defino y'all know jessica defino she has one of the you know top top sub stacks jessica defino worked for years in the beauty industry and her her sub stack is called um the unpublishable what uh, the unpub- unpublishable um Guys, you got to follow her because Jessica is publishing everything that the beauty industry hates and does not want you to know. Anyway, so Jessica says, and I met her last night. uh, She says, personally, I love my hair and despise my ears and dream of a world where neither of these things matters at all to me or anybody else. Uh, That's great. Uh, Mary Jane Hurley Brandt. Uh, says, oh, this is lovely. She says, here goes. When I was a little girl, I was told by my mother to stay out of my grandmom's attic. But up there was glamour. Up there was another world exploding with World War II treasures. Up there, under a sheet, was a seductive vanity with drawers jammed full of 1940 uh, Cody oh my god does that name come out 1940 Cody lipsticks Dorothy Gray powder puffs Lanvin my sin oh Lanvin my sin perfume oh does anybody nobody here is old enough to remember Lanvin uh, my sin 
perfume bottles. They used to put them, when you bought a certain kind of Cadillac, they came with the Cadillac in a little uh, gold pouch that uh, that pulled out in the Cadillac. You had my sin, and you had a mirror, and you had a lipstick. I don't remember who made the lipstick, but uh, my sin was the perfume at the time. And um, so Mary Jane goes, uh, Hurley goes on to say, my entire life, I just loved being a female and all the perks that went with it. Every time my older cousin put me in her big sister's stilettos and told me to practice walking, I further realized that being a girl, being a woman, had something magical about it. I didn't see my looks as separate from my identity any more than I saw other little girls' looks uh, split off from theirs. Our looks are a part of who we are. As we embrace them, we feel loved and deeply so. Um, the world is more accepting now of all kinds of beauty. Boy, is that true. Um, and all kinds of women. I think it's wonderful because I think we women are wonderful. And I love being a woman. And I love my cherry lip smile. Thank you, Mary Jane. That's lovely. Now we're going to go to the opposite uh, coin. Uh, here's Jenna. And Jenna got fired up when she saw when she saw what, what the subject of the substack was. She says, here we are obsessing about our appearances again, measuring comparing i better have a sip of water because i have to yell comparing assessing everything from the sizes and shapes of our breasts hips and bellies to the color of our skin our eyes hair to determine how close we come to the current and ever-changing standard of beauty enough already you're getting then she says you know jenna she always is aware of what she's thinking and what she's writing and then she doubles back um you're getting this reaction from me she says because i damn near died from an eating disorder that i developed as a result of believing i had to look a certain way to be loved never mind that my body carried me through some pretty gnarly abuse endured twice-a-day workouts so I could try out for the Olympic swim team. She almost made it, by, by the way, almost. And it carried me to the foot of Mount Everest Base Camp, which is amazing, Jenna. That is amazing. Uh, no, none of that was ever enough because I was never allowed, because I never allowed myself to actually inhabit and enjoy my body. I was too busy doing what we're trained to do as women. Ooh, this is this is rough, Jenna. Compare myself to others, worry about my weight, and believe that whether or not I would find love depended on how I look. Well, it's Jenna. It's true that we were. That's how we were raised. Uh, you know, we had to be pretty, pretty, pretty. Uh, but you were a star athlete, and so you doubly, doubly felt the pressure. Um, to look a certain way, to look, uh, you know, to and perform a certain way. Plus, coupled with all the feminine things, all the messages you were getting. Uh, but today, you are smarter and more beautiful, and and 
certainly wiser. I mean, it, you bring so much to all of us uh, at the Conflab, Jenna. You're a very important member to us. That you've been through this, we are all learning from you because you have, you have, well, you have the ability to put it into words. You have the ability to put it in words. And that's very moving what you wrote. And you, you strongly voiced, um, sick of one more time hearing about beauty. But Jenna, uh, uh, let me tell you, you are beautiful. And that is it. That is a fact. And I'm going to rest my case there. Um, so Beth Goodby, good body. Beth's name is actually Beth Goodbody. So that's right there. We know her comment's going to be great. She said, I had, and to some extent, still have body image issues. Thanks, Mom. I got fat in elementary school and didn't lose the weight until I became bulimic in the ninth grade. I also had cystic acne. And she says, what a winning hand. By the time the acne cleared up, Thanks to Accutane, apparently I was devastating. I had no clue. Now I see pictures of myself then, and I'm like, what? I wish I had known with those looks and my now don't give a shit attitude, I could have been dangerous to men. Uh, let's give the last comment to Miss Ellie. Hi, Cal. I see you're here. We read your comment earlier, right in the middle of the story. I s stopped telling the story and uh, had your comment about ex being exactly as good looking as you deserve to be. Uh, so the last comment goes to Miss Ellie, one of our genius conflabbers. And Miss Ellie says, I think she wrote a beautiful essay today. Uh, she And the end of her essay came to, well, actually, Actually, she wrote like three or four little essays today. And at the end of the major, uh, the main essay, she said, I think there must be something inadvertent for something to be truly beautiful. There must be something spontaneous and unplanned, a force of nature, a slight imperfection, or the evidence and the embracing of time and the cycle of life itself. A new rosebud is nice, but the gorgeous wide open bloom, fading, fleeting, the perilous withering of the petals slowly falling is the poetry. The wilting itself is so much more memorable. To be young and pretty is common, but lasting beauty is rare and quite astonishing. Boy, I tell you, Miss Ella, you did it with that. And I recommend to you uh, studying wabi-sabi. You know wabi-sabi is the philosophy of the Japanese um, that said, you know, that when a, um, a, they find an older person's beauty is deeper and more breathtaking than a younger. They find a pot that's been uh, put back together and sealed with gold paint uh, stronger and more beautiful. They find a tree that has fallen uh, in the forest and lays on the ground with its branches across the grass, more beautiful than the tree that is upright. It is a, it's a great philosophy. And I use it for my house cleaning. 
that's the philosophy I use is the dust in the floor is way more beautiful on my floor than it would be if it was in my dust cloth. So that's it. I stopped cleaning my house. And here, you know, I thought Miss Ellie's comment would be the last, the final word, but I just remembered one more final word of the final word. It's from Deborah. And Deborah says, beauty is as beauty fucking does. And that... <laughs> That does it for our Ask Eugene podcast today. And darlings, you can continue this discussion we're having right here about being too good looking on my humble, modest little substack called Ask Eugene. And the, and the post you can put your comment on is called, Are You Too Good Looking? And that's it, doodlebangers, for our live Ask Eugene podcast. It will be on Apple and Spotify tomorrow. And now... Before I play the greatest theme song since Mozart's 43rd Symphony, I want you to remember what George Carlin said. George said, conservatives are not pro-life. They are anti-woman. The ASCII gene music is by the Los Caterpillars, Greg Challenfeld and Melanie Rock. The incidentals by Little Red Church. Show art by the Rembrandt of his generation, Silent James. Uh, the Ask Eugene Show is produced by Are You Kidding? Um, the, um, the dog is played by Guffington Von Flute, who behaved himself mostly the whole, the whole show. The cat is played by, by Johnny T. Fireball. Email us your questions at e.gene, J-E-A-N, at askegene.com, e dot gene at askugene.com or send me a juicy voicemail you know i would love to play uh your voicemail questions on the show or your voicemail comments um and the number is 845-682-0881 follow us on apple podcasts and on spotify and give us don't be stingy give us five stars and Remember what I always say, fate loves the fearless. Call her on the phone. Call her on the phone. When you're all alone, just ask Eugene. Call her on the phone. Don't sit there all alone. Pick up bone, Bobby, ask it Shit!